each other. We were at the Ohio State-Michigan game two years ago, sideways snow. And I, I, even though I grew up in Georgia, I've been around sub-freezing temperatures before. But there is something about 44 degrees and moderate to heavy rain in the Pacific Northwest in late November that chills one to the bone. And I found myself exposed to it last night. Just me and the iJosh out there battling against the elements. Well, me, the iJosh, and Michael Penix battling against the elements. Uh, no rain damage to the phone. Got some great stuff in the Instagram story. Go check it out. We are jam-packed high atop a perplexed downtown Nashville, Tennessee. Late Kick is live for Sunday, November 19th, the year of our Lord, 2023. We are perplexed as a people. Tough to say, but it's tougher to imagine that we have not had Volcanic Saturday yet. Volcanic Saturday is the, it's the Saturday where everything goes boom, essentially. And it hasn't happened. And some people around this office are starting to wonder if it's going to happen. I myself am not. I am still quite confident that there are some twists and turns in the old college football playoff road before we actually get there. I got full Week 12 reaction on the show tonight. Florida State lost Jordan Travis. I got some thoughts on that as I've listened to other people's thoughts on that. Maybe that was my first mistake, actually listening to other people's thoughts on that. So we're going to talk about that. There was, uh, speaking of volcanoes, just as big a natural disaster as one could have on a football field happened in Auburn, Alabama yesterday. Historic proportions that upset took on. We will discuss. We will discuss Lincoln Riley and his failures at USC this year. We will add out some best bets. I will give you some tales from Corvallis, Oregon last night. There is no easy way to get from Corvallis, Oregon after 10 p.m. to Nashville, Tennessee by 8 a.m. Just no easy way to do it, but we figured out a way. They're watching us in Norwalk, Connecticut, Anderson, South Carolina, Flatonia, Texas, and Salem, Oregon, where I spent a wonderful Friday night. Thank you to our friends there in Salem. We got a show tonight, obviously. We got a show Tuesday night, obviously. Thursday, I, I have it on reliably good authority. It is Thanksgiving, and I will not be in Nashville. I will be down in Harris County, Georgia, so we will not have a show Thursday, but everything else is on schedule. I'm going to let you know if you can't already tell from social, where we're headed for the tour this week in a few minutes. But first, I thought we should lead the show with what uh, it seemed like everyone was talking about as the dust settled last night. And also, this is going to be a huge talking point when the playoff selection committee hands out their rankings Tuesday. It will be felt in the JP poll. But this is one of those times where I'm going to tell you, doesn't matter what the JP poll says. Doesn't matter what a committee says. So let's dive into this. Colin, here's the end point. So Florida State ends up running over North Alabama last night, although it started a little treacherously. And then we saw Jordan Travis, the starting quarterback there, go down uh, with you know a season-ending injury. Everyone saw it on TV. We're not showing footage of it for obvious reasons. So you hate to see that for... A couple of reasons. Number one is obvious. You don't want to see a dude get hurt. And number two, we'll stay tuned for number two because that's the crux of what my argument on this is. I, it was crazy. I was in the Oregon State press box last night when this happened. I was actually playing with Herb Street's dog when this happened. And you could hear, you could hear like uh, reactions around the press box as people started to see it because it's FSU North Alabama. So it's not actually or it's not exactly on the main screens all over the place. And, and so I watched it, and then immediately, you know, if you have any kind of decorum about yourself, your first concern is with the player, uh, but inevitably, people's minds started to drift to, 
what does this mean large scale? What does this mean bigger picture? Which is fair. It's not callous. It's just, it's the way it is. It's fair. So what does it mean? That's what I want to ask you. I want to gather as many opinions on this as I can, because I got a really strong one. I feel really strongly about this. One thing I know, without a shadow of a doubt, if Florida State ends this season undefeated, Florida State ought to be in that playoff. I don't care if I'm starting for him at quarterback. I detest the concept of a committee of people gathering together and deciding they know for sure the value of a football player and how he benefits your team and without him what your team is. I can't stand that. I really think it's time to emphasize ahead of time before these next two weeks, if they do win these games, the difference in Vegas versus merit, the difference in power rating versus merit. I'm someone who sits here every Tuesday night and hands you my own personal power ratings. I call it the JP poll. It turns the internet into a complete psych ward. I'm probably not going to have Florida State in my top 10 Tuesday night. However, that's irrelevant because if they continue to win and I'm a playoff committee member, they better be top four. And the reason is because you have no clue how valuable Jordan Travis is. Ever since that stuff happened in 2014 with Ohio State, where they are down not their top quarterback, but also their backup quarterback, and a third stringer leads them to a national championship, ever since we all saw that, everything that you think you know is irrelevant because no one thought they knew that. They go and they completely body bag Wisconsin on conference championship Saturday to sort of back their way in seemingly to the playoff well, then you all of a sudden learn about Cardale Jones, and you should have known about Zeke Elliott, but he made you remember if you had forgotten about him, and they beat Alabama, and they beat Oregon, and they win the title, and it's like, no one would have predicted a third-string quarterback could lead them to that. That's the whole point. It doesn't matter what you think you know. It matters what's been earned on the field by a football team. You can't sit there, by the way, and tell me, oh, injuries are a part of football, which is accurate. But then also look and say, well, this is tennis, this is ping pong, this is golf, it's a solo sport. It's not a solo sport. One player goes down, albeit at the most important position, one player goes down, I got 21 others starting any given Saturday. It's a, it's a team game. Don't tell me injury is part of the game, but then completely change the way that you define merit and the way that you select your, uh, your teams from your committee because football happened. You're telling me injury is part of the game. Well, it's no different than a touchdown happening or an interception happening. An injury happened. Yeah, it did. And you know what? If they get their tails beat by Florida Saturday or they lose to Louisville, different conversation. But if Florida State's undefeated there, I got no interest in a committee full of folks, some of whom played, some of whom didn't, and I don't really care if you did or not. I got no interest in anyone telling me how valuable they think Jordan Travis was. If they lose a game, fine. Wipe them off the table. But if they don't, I am not interested in that. What will Florida State, by the way, do to replace Jordan Travis here? Tate Rotomaker is the backup quarterback there. They were down 13 to nothing to North Alabama last night. Now, keep in mind, this is in the wake, sort of the immediate aftermath of us watching New Mexico State just skull drag Auburn. You heard that sentence right, kids. New Mexico State skull drag Auburn. So you're thinking anything can happen. And it's the most deflating moment in the world to lose your starting quarterback and you're down 13-0 and then they just ran off 58 unanswered. I know they'll get no credit for that because it, it's like a glorified high school team they're playing in relation to. 
I, I thought that was admirable. That's not easy to do. I, against air, that's not easy to do. And they did it. They go to Florida this week. They're about a touchdown favorite, six and a half to seven points. It's going to be a battle. You, in case you didn't notice, Florida still got a pulse. They hung 35, I think, on LSU a couple of weeks ago. Now, they gave up half 100, but they hung 35 on them. They pushed Missouri to the wire last night. Graham Mertz is out. So you're going to have a battle of backup quarterbacks this Saturday in the Swamp. Napier needs the win to get bowl eligible. It's going to be must-see. You could say for the wrong reasons. I I get it. Understand. It's not preferable, but it's going to be must-see. But yeah, if you want my opinion on that, uh, emphatically, if they're undefeated, yes, Florida State's a playoff team to me. We weren't there. Believe it or not, the Once Upon a Saturday Tour did not go to Tallahassee to see North Alabama. We'll We'll have to catch them some other time. But let there be no doubt where we're headed this Saturday. We've been to this game two years in a row, and the Once Upon a Saturday tour is headed way up north to Ann Arbor, Michigan. Ohio State versus Michigan. Ryan Day versus Jim. Check that. Sharon Moore, head coach on an interim basis for Michigan. Obviously, we'll break this game down Tuesday. This is a playoff game, essentially. And you'll have another one in a couple of weeks in Atlanta between Alabama and Georgia. These are playoff games. They just don't have the fancy, well, actually, I think it's kind of bootleg looking, but the college football playoff sticker on it. But for all intents and purposes, these are playoff games. This is going to be otherworldly in terms of hype and buildup, and it is already. I also have listened to fans on both sides of the aisle here start talking a little bit about how this is the last version of this game as you've come to know it. And they make a good point because what they're talking about is when we expand to a 12-team playoff and the Big Ten gets rid of divisions, you have opportunities to see the game happen three times in a season, which is lame as I don't know what. But you'd have the regular season version, which as of now is still slated to happen at the end of the regular season. There's been a lot of talk about moving that. But let's just say for argument's sake, they keep it at the end of November. Imagine a world where this year, for example, imagine the Big Ten this year. Both of them are undefeated. Imagine there are no divisions. The Big Ten's rules are we just take the top two teams for the conference title game. You'd have Ohio State Michigan this Saturday. You'd have Ohio State Michigan again the next week in Indianapolis. And then you'd very likely have them again in the playoff where they could meet for a third time. Just the way God intended, right? No, of course not. Um, So, I don't know what the future holds, but in the here and now, I know one of them is going to win Saturday, and one of them's probably going home when it comes to the college football playoff picture, and it's always a pleasure to be there. As a youth who grew up in Columbus and not the one in Ohio, I never thought I'd be able to take that one in. Knew a lot about the Iron Bowl, didn't know much about Ohio State and Michigan. Boy, has that changed over the past two or three years. So, The Once Upon a Saturday Tour is headed up there. The shirt is available as of tonight in PateStateMaterial.com's store. Beautiful. We expect to move significant numbers of this shirt this week. And oh, by the way, just a little Easter egg here in time for Christmas. I have it on good authority that come Friday, Black Friday, in the shopping community, 
there may be something dropping in the Pate State store, which I will, um, in a very biased manner, call the best singular piece of merchandise we will have ever provided just in time for the Christmas season. We don't even use the word holiday on the show. It is a straight-up Christmas product that we're dropping this uh, Friday, not Saturday. Oh, what is happening in Lee County? I leave down there for a couple of years, and all of a sudden you can't even get past New Mexico State. Auburn falls emphatically to New Mexico State yesterday. I had the eye, Josh, in my hand. It was one of those things. I always tell you guys this happens like two or three times a year to me. A score pops up that I haven't been watching. I was not glued to this game. I had more pressing matters to attend to up in Oregon. And so you refresh it. Same score. You refresh it again. Same score. And you're just refresh, refresh, refresh. Because what this screen is telling me is 31 to 10, New Mexico State as a 25 and a half point dog just won outright by three touchdowns. That is a 47 and a half point differential final score versus point spread. Obviously, that can't have happened, right? It happened. I don't know what else to say. I'm going to, though, because it's irresponsible to do a minute-long segment. This is the first loss Auburn's had to a non-Power 5 since 1991. Jesse, is that at home, or is that just period since 1991? Thank you. Jesse says he has no idea. Either way, it's bad, obviously. Either way, it's bad. This was not only the splattering of the week, but you know I have to do this. This was the Sarah McLaughlin special. This is a nightmare on a piece of paper in front of me. Hit it, Colin. Auburn was outgained 414 to 213 at the hands of New Mexico State. They were outrushed 213 to 65 at the hands of New Mexico State at home. Did I mention this was in Jordan here? New Mexico State had as many rushing yards as Auburn had total yards. This is where it really gets bad. New Mexico State, four of four, 28 points in the red zone. Auburn didn't even make it there. In their own building against the team they paid $1.85 million to come in and face. We continue. Auburn had two drives of 20 plus yards. That was it, the whole game. Auburn had two plus drives of 20 plus yards. Auburn's defense allowed six passes of 15 or more. Auburn's defense allowed eight runs of 10 or more. <sighs> Imagine, if you will, you're walking down the street and you see someone and they ask you for some money and you figure, it's cold out here. It's the holiday season. It's the season of mercy. It's the season of giving. Here, this is what I have in my pocket. It's yours. And the guy slowly rises, dusts himself off, gathers himself, and you expect a handshake, maybe a hug, and he pulls a baseball bat out, and he hits you in the face, and then he keeps hitting you for 60 minutes, and the cops never show up, and security never intervenes, and that was Auburn football yesterday. They paid $1.85 million to get smoked. And while I'm at it, saw a stat, which admittedly I cannot confirm, I saw Bama paid UT Chattanooga like $700,000. So, so not only did Auburn budget horribly when they went cupcake shopping, they bought a cupcake that was poisoned because it beat you. And trust me, I had food poisoning a couple of weeks ago, so I know exactly how you guys feel. But let's talk real for a second, because I, I, as you would expect, saw a lot of 
animosity being hurled towards first-year head coach Hugh Freeze there. Let's just talk this through for a second. I know the rest of the world just laughed at this. If you're an Auburn fan, you're doing anything but laughing. Uh, I had a, had a couple of different buddies, because I grew up in this part of the country, so I've got a lot of buddies who went there and several more who just pulled for Auburn. Had a couple of buddies tell me, this can't happen. If you're an Auburn head coach, this can't happen. And my response was, okay, well, it happened. What do you mean it can't happen? So it did. So what are you going to do? You, you go and pack his stuff up and he's fired by dawn? Is that really what you're going to do? If the answer is no, well, obviously it can happen and it did happen. What are you going to do now? Let me tell you what I think. What I think is Hugh Freeze walked in the door at Auburn, looked around and said, we don't have a lot of what I want here. But even having said that, do you have any idea when a head coach takes over a program, do you have any idea what it entails? Talked about this with Brian Kelly last year. You walk in and normally it's winter when you take the job and then you're trying to hire a staff and then you get to spring, but you're still not done. There are so many roles behind the scenes in a college football program, most of which you'll never know and you don't even know the roles, much less the names that fill those roles. But look, sometimes you take a job, and he comes from Liberty, for example. So you, he, you may bring some of your folks with you, and they don't have SEC experience. You may walk in, and there's some holdovers from the previous staff. And all the while, you're inheriting what you inherit roster-wise. Thankfully, you've got the portal today to where you can try and do some stuff pre- and post-spring. That's that's Band-Aids normally, especially if you have a roster uh, that was as badly in need of repair, for lack of harsher terms, as Auburn's was. But you're just, you're drinking water from a fire hose, is my point, in year one. And so, I, like, I look at this, and whether they skated by by a field goal at the buzzer yesterday or got beat by three touchdowns, it doesn't really change what reality is. It just puts a cripplingly embarrassing stain on your history books for now until eternity. But ultimately, like, Hugh, Hugh Freeze didn't forget how to run a football program. Hugh Freeze didn't forget how to coach. And you can say all you want to, this can't happen. Well, okay, fire him then, if it can't happen. Speak more realistically. It's humiliating that it happened. It's inexcusable that it happened. And anything you feel, he feels times five. I think there's a keen awareness in that building I can confirm for you, there's a keen awareness in that building. There's a lot that still has to change. They have done a fraction of the total overhaul they need to do. They, you just weren't going to do it overnight. I'm not making excuses. They got smoked by a team they have no business even having a competitive game with. But it doesn't really change my feel on whether he can be successful there. Not in the least. They could have beat him 51 to 10. It just, it is what it is. It's horrible. It's a terrible look. Am I going to care on early signing day if they blow it out of the water? Am I going to care that they lost to New Mexico State? Am I going to care on the second signing day if they put the finishing touches on a top 10 class? Am I going to care uh, if they, you know, magically portal in a quarterback that changes the outlook and perspective on Auburn football? Am I going to care if his staff looks way better year two than year one? I'm really not. I don't think most of you would. I just, I understand the immediate reverberations of stuff like this. It's not fun. Not fun at all, but is what it is. Don't want to be saying that in November, but is what it is. And what it was was ugly. I will meet you that far. It was ugly. 
Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Far from how I would describe things inside an Academy Sports and Outdoors. Academy Sports and Outdoors, and the clock is ticking, by the way, is giving away two tickets to the SEC championship game, Georgia versus Auburn, or Georgia versus Alabama. Bad, bad typo if any of the copy says that. So George Bama in Atlanta a couple of weeks. Academy wants you to be there. And they're giving away two tickets. And just on top of that, a little cherry on top, a $10,000 Academy Sports and Outdoors gift card. And you don't even have to do any paperwork. You don't have to spend any money. You just, you log into the Academy app. That's it. And you're entered just like that. And I was talking to our friends there at Academy. And I said, hey, you guys going to be there? And they may be there. They may be there in a couple of weeks. So always love running into those guys. Look, tailgating, they've got what you need. Hunting supplies, got what you need. If you're getting ready, if you want an early jump on spring baseball, and I know that's a little ways away. Some of you are probably playing fall ball right now. Just stock up. Any kind of sporting goods equipment, any kind of outdoors, grilling, etc. Tents, got a wide variety of tents, bicycles. They got it at Academy Sports and Outdoors. And they provide our show to you free of charge which arguably I think is one of the best services that they provide. So thank you so much to our friends at Academy. And now we take a turn back to negative town. Let me take my first sip from the chalice. I'm told I got about an hour of sleep last night, but it was one of those 10 minutes here, six minutes here, 14 minutes here. I don't think I got an hour of sleep. So afterwards, we're going to take care of that. But we push through tonight. Lincoln Riley and USC humbled again in defeat yesterday. They lost 38-20 to to Chip Kelly, hot seat Chip Kelly, I'm told, and the Bruins over there at UCLA, and this was pretty dominant. So dominant that you see the rushing totals on the screen right now. If you're listening on podcast, uh, UCLA, 199 on the ground, USC, 3 they lost the turnover battle three to nothing. They just got they got pushed around on the line of scrimmage. I know that's a rinse and repeat stat or, or statement. Did you see Dan Mullen's tweet? Dan Mullen has things so thoroughly figured out. Go coach for a little while. 
build yourself uh, an immense net worth, then live the buyout life, and then go work in TV, where you're never wrong, by the way. Like, some folks figured that out a long time ago. Gruden figured that out. It took him a long time to get back in football. Well, Dan Mullins figured it out. So Dan Mullins just sitting in a studio in Bristol, Connecticut yesterday, and he tweeted the following. Are we sure they have the right coach on the hot seat in L.A.? Welcome to the party, Dan. Consequence free. Say whatever you want to. As a fired football coach, by the way, say whatever you want to. And you know what? He's not terribly off base there. And I guarantee you, if that thing got liked and retweeted, you'd be shocked how much of that traffic came from Southern Cal football fans. Because they don't necessarily like what they're seeing right now. Lincoln Riley, we got a two-year sample size at USC. He is 2-7 and seven versus top 25 teams now. And in those games against top 25 competition, they're giving up 42 per game on average. I have no idea where this is going. I have no feel for this. I thought once upon a time I did. It's become pretty clear the hope I had for some of the changes and, and the evolution in philosophy that Lincoln Riley would have when he went to USC has not happened. And it doesn't look like it's in the immediate works either. He's 40 years old right now. Lincoln Riley's 40 years old right now. They just finished a season 124th in scoring defense. He fired the defensive coordinator. He's got no college football playoff wins despite multiple Heisman winners and more Heisman caliber quarterbacks. They're not recruiting California well at all. Uh, some of the numbers bear that out. And he's got soft teams. Not soft in relation to someone you'd see playing at the playground. Like they could smoke your eight-on-eight -eight team physically, but they don't play eight-on-eight. -eight. They play Utah. They play UCLA. And you know who they're playing next year? They're playing Michigan, Penn State, Ohio State, Iowa. Like, can you imagine if they don't significantly overhaul the profile of this program? Do you imagine how bloodied they're going to be? And it's going to happen long before the middle of the season, like it did this year. I, I think one of the mistakes being made perceptionally around USC football is some folks tend to think that as soon as Lincoln Riley hires an elite defensive coordinator, things will be fine. That is not the only problem out there. Hiring an elite defensive mind is the beginning, but that's not the end-all be-all. The culture of the program has to change. What, what does it matter if I'm Lincoln Riley and I bring in the top defensive mind in the game? Pick, pick who you want. Nobody's off limits. Pick who you want. I bring him in, but I don't change talent acquisition. I don't change strength and conditioning. I don't change practice habits and philosophy. I don't change the attitude of the program. I don't really overhaul my culture. I just think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put a DC, and I'm going to take his name and put it in the blank here, and I'm going to tell him, hey, fix the defense. See you in the fall. That's not the way that works. It's not the way that's going to work. They enter the Big Ten next year. They closed the season 1-5 and five after they started 6-0. and oh. And they, like I said, they got outrushed 199-3 to three last night. Uh, not, it's not close. Not, and I hate that statement. You know I hate that phrasing. But in this, in this case, if you ask how close is USC to playing championship-level football, I'm going to say they're not there and it's not even close. And it would be accurate. And um, so the, then the follow-up, from Norman, Oklahoma, is just laughter. And the follow-up from outside Norman is, well, what's he going to do? I don't know. 
they're certainly in the market for a defensive coordinator right now. You hear a bunch of names thrown around. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stay on record with this. I'm sure they'll hire a, a pretty big name, maybe, maybe an impressive name. Um, I, that is not the end of the road. That is, it's not like a turnkey, let's put a big name in the seat here and we'll just immediately rapidly scale our defensive performance. You will not. If you don't change uh, the foundational pillars or tenets of that program, nothing much is going to change. And some defensive coordinator will come out there and he'll look around and he'll realize this soil's terrible. It doesn't matter what I plant in it. And then his name's going to get drugged through the mud because he was supposed to come in and do there what Jim Knowles has done at Ohio State. Ryan Day's got the culture that's conducive to overhauling a defense there. Does Lincoln Riley have that? And that's the second time this month that I've compared those two. I'm not quite sure why my mind keeps going back to that. Um, I think it's because they had similar criticisms a couple of years ago, not tough enough defensively, and one of them got to doing something about it, and the other one just said, I'll outscore folks. You will not. No, you will not. You may outscore the first half of your schedule. You will not continue to do that. They're watching us in Augusta, Georgia, Salt Lake City, Utah, Richmond, Virginia, and East Liberty, Ohio. Appreciate you guys being tuned in wherever you may be. Let's get back to some games that were played yesterday. And appreciate you guys watching live. If you're watching live, uh, man, like the video, first off. Excuse me, that was rude of me. Please like the video if you're watching live. Working on manners here. It's not a New Year's resolution because it's not even December. Uh, and if you're around, subscribe to the channel because this is free. No, one, no one's charging you anything. And the way you keep it free is subscribing. So Georgia ran away and hid from Tennessee and Dolly Parton and Peyton Manning yesterday, 38 to 10. The model just, the model took a bath on this one. I told you guys last week, the model thought Tennessee was going to cover in this game. And before kickoff, the number came down to nine, which meant there was sizable money being bet on Tennessee. And I, for the life of me, I couldn't see it. I understand progression and regression to the mean, and Tennessee got blown out the week before, and Georgia looked great the week before, and normally there's a little, there's a little meeting in the middle the following week. I just thought you had one team on the fade and one team surging. And once you get to November, sometimes those are fixed trajectories. And you saw it yesterday. Those were kind of fixed trajectories. Carson Beck is playing outside his mind right now. He was 24-30 for about 300 yards, three touchdowns, and yet again, no interceptions. Carson Beck has 250 passing yards all 11 games this season. Think about Think about how good he had to be this year. When you go over the two-year rolling NFL draft attrition rate, when you look at what Stetson Bennett was last year, you look at you losing your offensive coordinator and your, and your Heisman finalist quarterback, and so you elevate Mike Bobo, which was met with pretty severe criticism, and no one can find those people anywhere right now. They're on the backs of milk cartons. And then you also elevate Carson Beck, and he's going to be a first-year starter. Normally, that's a recipe for what Penn State's looked like this year. Let's hide our quarterback. Let's ease him into it. And let's just try and run the ball and play dominant defense. Instead, Georgia's featured him. Like, Georgia's throwing the ball all over the place. Georgia's one of the best passing attacks in the country. And they don't exactly have Florida State's receiving core up there either. They got 19. They got Brock Bowers, who uh, once upon a time was thought to be lost until the SEC championship game. Now we're still 
a week or two weeks away from that, it feels like he's been back forever. Again, an alien walking amongst normal human beings, Brock Bowers. And you got Lad McConkie. Exactly. You've got Lad McConkie and, and Hoomstouts. You don't have all Americans littered in that room, but you got a quarterback making them look good. And so that's been impressive to watch. It, also, there have been several games this year, including this one, where he had to answer. The Auburn game, he had to answer. Like, they've gotten down several times this year. There's been no room for error. There's been no margin for mistake, and he's gotten it done. Uh, the third down statistic, just it just keeps becoming the paper popper, the padlock stat in Georgia games. Yet again, Georgia goes 9 of 13 on third down. Yet again, their opposition, just so happened to be Tennessee here, goes 2 of 11 on third down. And what does that get you? Well, it gets you to a point where I'm willing to mention time of possession on this show. And we don't do that very often. But when you go 41 minutes to 19 minutes, when you go 71 plays to 55 plays, I think that's worth mentioning. Dare I say a padlock stat. It's certainly worth mentioning. So Georgia got through this little gauntlet of theirs. They got through four ranked teams so far they've played this year. Their margins of victory have been 38, 35, 9, 28. It turns out none of them met the freeze point. The freeze point on this show means like the minimum baseline quality that a team has to be before they're capable of beating you. So water freezes at 32.4 degrees Fahrenheit. And if it's above that, like if it's 35 degrees, if the water's 35 degrees, you could leave it there forever. It's never going to freeze. Once it gets the 32.4 or below, that determines whether it A, can freeze, and B, how quickly could it freeze. There's only one team in the SEC that meets the freeze point for Georgia, and that's Alabama. And they're going to play them in a couple of weeks. And nationally, I don't know how many there are for sure, but there aren't any in the SEC, aside from the team in Tuscaloosa. And outside the SEC, maybe Michigan, maybe Ohio State, maybe Oregon, or maybe not. We'll see. For all we know, like, listen to me. For all we know, we could be seeing the national championship in Atlanta, Georgia in a couple of weeks. You don't know. You have no idea. I just know that it's felt that way in years past and ended up being that way. So Kirby, yet again, has his team in prime position. Hadn't lost a game. Seems like in forever. And so hats off. I don't know what more you can say. They're rolling. They have Georgia Tech this week. And then it's on to Atlanta. Next up, whoo, I bet some eyeballs were glued to this game as it got later yesterday. Michigan beat Maryland, but not by the margin the odds makers thought, 31 to 24. Remember Thursday's show, maybe Tuesday's show? I sat here and I asked, is Michigan immune to a lot of the struggles that a normal mortal team would face? It turns out they weren't. They got pushed yesterday, really pushed. In fact, defense and special teams had to bail them out or they may lose this game, which is how a football game works, by the way. They were on a back-to-back -back road stretch. They were coming off their second toughest game of the year. Their first toughest game and their big rival is on deck. They're going to Maryland, noon kickoff, Harbaugh suspended, all the talk about the programs off the field. That's just a classic spot to get tripped up. So it wasn't shocking to me that they struggled and they got out to a big lead. So it may have been a little shocking to me that Maryland got back in it. But special teams and defense had to do it yesterday, which leads to some questions about the quarterback position at Michigan. More on that in a second. They had a fumble return for a touchdown. Uh, they had two safeties. <laughs> they had a, one of them was on a block punt. 
they won the turnover battle three to one. They had four sacks. They had six tackles for loss. Full Pate State material performance by Jesse Minter and his defense. But J.J. McCarthy, all week, get ready, you're going to hear it, and deservedly so. He's had three straight games now without a passing touchdown. Didn't need to do it against Penn State. And I came out of that game and I told you, I said, there's a trap setting up. People are going to think just because McCarthy threw the ball eight times total against Penn State and they ran it the final 30-some-odd plays of the game that he's incapable of throwing. And I said, no, 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 don't be fooled. They just called the game the way that they needed to call that game. Well, yesterday, he throws a terrible pick down in the goal, in the end zone, I think, the pick was thrown, and could not take the game over at any point with his arm. Um, he got under pressure fairly consistently. I was listening, because I was driving to Corvallis, I was listening to the Michigan radio call for a little bit. And look, those guys, I'll credit them, they were pretty brutally honest about some of the issues that this team has faced. It's not an invincible unit. No team is. You're just made to look that way sometimes. Southern Cal looked that way kind of earlier in the year. Now, unlike Southern Cal, uh, Michigan plays complementary football, so Michigan's an elite team. Uh, but they can bleed, and Michigan bled yesterday. Now, you can look at that one of two ways. You can either say they bled, they're vulnerable, or you can look at it and say they bled, good, good. Once you taste that, you're about to get the best performance out of that team you'll get all year. That's what Saturday's for. That's what God has invented rivalry week for, and we got it. Ohio State coming to town. Can you imagine how big four quarters is here? Both teams now, but I'm talking about Michigan. On one hand, you could, you could beat Ohio State, so you make it three straight. You just beat Ryan Day without your head coach. You're going to the Big Ten championship game, a game you will win. You're going to go to the college football playoff. You may be the one seed. At worst, you would be the two seed. And all's well. Or you lose. And you lost the game. Ohio State has reemerged. They've reestablished themselves. And they're going to the Big Ten title game. And they're probably going to the playoff. You're, you're done. Unless some other upsets happen, you're done. You don't have the strength of schedule. Everything about you going to the postseason has been predicated on they need to go beat Penn State. Check. And they need to beat Ohio State and win the Big Ten. Check and TBD, uh, but if you don't fill that second box with a check mark, doesn't really matter in the eyes of the committee. And then you add in the whole, will they punish us for Harbaugh? Well, the moment you have a loss, absolutely they will. They're not putting you in there. Uh, it probably doesn't matter how the dominoes fall behind you. They're not putting you in there. That's four quarters. That's what four quarters means. Steve Winwood once sang, don't you know what the night can do? Don't you know what four quarters can do? That is a... Uh, Man, that's a reference my 40 and over crowd is going to really love. I listened to a lot of 80s FM radio growing up. Still do. Love it. Love it. Uh, wasn't necessarily around when it was recorded, but love it anyway. Several more takeaways from week 12. Probably worth another sip from the chalice because there, there are some very puzzling things on this piece of paper. Um, let's start with where I was yesterday. So I was at Oregon State. And Washington came in there, and I got to tell you something. So this was a terrible weather game, just horrible. Pouring down rain, low 40s, worst weather game that I think I've been at, which is saying a lot. Because a couple of years ago, we were where we're going to be this Saturday. We were up at the big house in Michigan, 
and snow started falling sideways in the second half. And then after the game is really where it was tough. When we're doing all our live hits and then we're rapping and got to drive to Detroit through what a Georgian considers a driving snowstorm. And yet I think yesterday was worse, just more miserable. And in the midst of all that, Michael Penix comes in there knowing they got to throw the ball to win. And you can either look at his stat line or I was just on TV. That's exciting. Even though it's my show and we're on air right now, there's something about seeing yourself on the broadcast feed. So Michael Penix goes in there, 13 for 28, 162, two touchdowns. You can either look at that and say, oh, that's one of his worst stat lines of the year. Or you could wisen up a little bit. Hey, go stand on that field for five minutes and you can't feel your fingers anymore. And then imagine you got to have a precision passing game that you're orchestrating and operating. I thought he was incredible yesterday and last night. I thought it was amazing to watch. And Roma Dunze, I've seen him in person twice now. That is like watching a guy who has a game tomorrow for the Seahawks or someone like that. And he's just, he's just having fun on a Saturday night. It's an NFL receiver. Just happens to be playing college ball. And it's a blessing to watch because he is really, really good. And so now they won again as a slight underdog this time. They won again. And Washington's still undefeated. So now that the Oregon State trip is out of the way, people will start shifting their attention. They'll look straight over Washington State. Make no mistake about it. Folks are going to overlook that game. And uh, by the way, hats off to both of these universities for signing off on an extension on the Apple Cup. Turns out that rivalry games can still survive, even if you're in different conferences. So folks are going to overlook that game Saturday or Friday, whenever it is. There you go. I'm one of them. And they're going to start looking towards Vegas, where they think Oregon-Washington is already locked in as a Pac-12 championship game. It's not locked in yet. It's likely, but it's not locked in yet. More on that in a second. But I want to tell you, I had some Washington fans come at me, and they said the model got this one wrong. Because uh, the, the model liked Oregon State to win by three. And the line was two and a half. The model's mainly just built to provide our own number. Anyway, I know this is going to blow some people's minds. This thing right here, this model, did exactly what it was supposed to on this game. Nailed it. Uh, what I mean by that is, if, if I got you, if I got Washington as a two-point dog, I'm, I'm saying you're going to lose by three. So I pretty much agree with the Vegas number and you finish plus two turnovers and win the game by two, when I value turnovers at about five and a quarter points apiece, if anything, the model undervalued Oregon State. The model probably, in retrospect, should have made the number Oregon State minus four or four and a half or five. And what I'm trying to say is, even when you lose the bet that the model suggested you bet, there's a world where it's still right because you never bake in plus or minus turnover margin. And, and you completely erase it from any kind of future-leaning model output. So that sounds like sour grapes. It's not. Uh, congratulations on the win. I was just trying to address that because a lot of, for some reason, you guys picked this game to come at me and say, model, model missed this one, didn't it? No, it didn't at all. It's just turnovers happened, which is football. Uh, but that, that is not how you, you find me someone out there who's successfully running a model where they predictively bake in turnover margin successfully. And I will show you someone who doesn't need a real job because they can just bet for a living. Next up, Texas got it done on the road against us in Ames, 26 to 16. If you told me Rocco Becht, 
who is the quarterback for Iowa State, if you told me he was throwing it for 323 and two touchdowns Friday, I would have thought they were going to upset Texas. But if you told me they were going to be held to nine yards rushing, I would have thought, oh, now I see how it's going to happen. Good for Texas. Good for Texas. They did what they had to do. It felt like a blowout. When you go, when you go watch the game, or if you watched it live last night, it felt like a blowout was happening. But then you have two Texas touchdowns called back because of penalties. You've got a red zone turnover. It felt like a game that Texas was supposed to be pulling away in. And Texas was stopping Texas a lot more than Iowa State was. You know how much that pains me to say. But um, yet again, this was a game where a lot of us circled and said, if we're going to have Volcano Saturday, if we're going to have Chaos Saturday emerge, Ames, Iowa could be the epicenter. Nope. Chalk holds yet again. And so what do we have now? We got Texas playing Texas Tech this Friday. So short rest for both teams. I think Texas opened as about a two-touchdown favorite. Uh, Cedric Baxter, good numbers yesterday. I know he fumbled one, but had good numbers in the absence of Jonathan Brooks. So the air is very thin. That tightrope is uh, is 100 stories in the air right now. We'll see. Crazier things have happened. We'll see. They got that, and then they got a Big 12 championship game, and those are the two obstacles between Texas and a likely trip to the college football playoff right now. What about Oklahoma? I thought Oklahoma was due to be in a dogfight yesterday against Brigham Young, and they were, and they won. This was 17-17, to and Brigham Young had the ball on the two-yard line, and they throw a 100-yard pick six, and the game totally inverts. Oklahoma's defense had to step up here. That's who won them the game. Uh, They lost, though. Oklahoma had lost back-to-back against Kansas and Oklahoma State, and they've rebounded. They blew out West Virginia. Uh, They went and got a win, 10 a.m., Local time kickoff in Provo, by the way, yesterday. First time they've been out there, I believe. So that's good. It's good because the season could have gone off the rails. This, you know, speak of your old boss, your schedule here that you're looking at on the screen, that could look like USC's schedule, where you started hot, and then all of a sudden you just fell off badly, and you strung a bunch of L's together, but instead you rebounded uh, back-to-back wins with TCU on deck. Now, as it relates to the Big 12 championship picture, we, we have an entire committee. Like Bradley is no longer Bradley the associate. Bradley is just tiebreaker Bradley now. And he, his sole job here is to let us know what would happen if we throw just random Big 12 scenarios at him. So as best we can tell right now, from a conference that's had to release two statements on their own tiebreaker system this week, if Texas wins, they're in. If Oklahoma State wins, they're in. That's the easy part. But friends, if Oklahoma State loses, honestly, Jesse explained it to me three times, and I still don't know what's going to happen. So I strongly encourage those teams to just take care of business, because if you don't, we could be watching the two-man sack race held on consecutive Sundays until a champion is crowned. And we all know what happened the last time they tried that. Let's move on. Arizona, hottest team in the country right now. Arizona 42, Utah 18. This is insane. Arizona's over-under preseason win total, four and a half. Arizona currently, eight and three. Got Arizona State on deck. They've won five straight. They could end up nine and three on the year. They were plus 8,500 to be Pac-12 champions. Speaking of which, 
I told you just a second ago, more on the Pac-12 championship situation in a second. For all of you out there who think that the end zones are already being painted purple and green, respectively, at Allegiant Stadium out there in Las Vegas where the Pac-12 championship is, I need to remind you of something. Oregon still has to beat Oregon State this Friday. If they don't, if Oregon loses, they're favored by about two touchdowns. If Oregon loses to Oregon State Friday and Arizona beats Arizona State, Arizona's going to the Pac-12 championship game. While that's unlikely, it is far from impossible. So Jed Fish goes from an over-under win total of four and a half to being alive and ranked in the top 20 in the final week of the season, alive for the Pac-12 championship game. Just unbelievable. I don't know where I'm supposed to fill out my ballot for coach of the year, but that's him. Jed Fish is him, doing an incredible job. Anybody who's got a job opening out there who's not looking at that guy, I don't know whether you could get him or not, but anyone who's not looking at that uh, is probably valuing the wrong criteria. Next up, Louisville won a big game at Miami yesterday. Louisville had a fight on their hands. You know the story with Miami. Miami's been a team that if they don't turn the ball over, if they don't suffer from 10 or 12 penalties, could beat pretty much anyone they play. Well, Louisville was minus one turnovers in this game. Miami won the turnover battle. Miami only had five penalties yesterday. And Louisville found a way to win. Tyler Van Dyke did not play bad football at all yesterday. And Louisville found a way to win. I, I think not enough values being placed on that win, actually. Like, they were... I think a one-point dog or a one-point favorite. It was, it was right around a pick all week and around kickoff. And Jack Plummer, that, that kid ends up being one of the big transfer portal acquisitions. 24-37, 308 yards, three touchdowns to one pick yesterday. I mean, he's played plenty well enough for them to be right where they are. And where they are is they're about to go to the ACC championship game and face Florida State. So, man, Jeff Brom, talk about, talk about like, unexpectedly upgrading your program. Satterfield just decides, I'm not going to coach here anymore. And they're like, what? Okay, can we, can, wait, can we get Jeff Brom? We can get Jeff Brom? Wow. Whomstead have thunk it. Now they're going to go play for an ACC championship. Just sometimes the clouds part and the sun shines on your program. That's what's happening in Louisville, Kentucky right now. So FanDuel yesterday, I was looking at some odds and I was in the hypothetical market, which has turned into the futures market. And I was looking at the SEC championship game. You can go bet that right now. And soon you'll have all the conference championship games there to bet. Uh, FanDuel is our exclusive betting and odds provider. And right now, I think it's very important for me to remind you the deal that exists over there. You go bet $5.00. Five American dollars. I don't know how this converts to euro or the yen, but five American dollars. You go bet it on any money line. Bet it on a 30-point favorite. I don't care. Bet the money line. If you win, you get $150 in bonus cash. And that's about as simple as it gets. If you want the rules on that, if you want to see the info, it is right here on the YouTube channel in the show description. Just click on that. And it's void in Alaska, Hawaii, California, New York, everywhere else. You're good to go on that. And everywhere it's legal, of course, you're good to go on that. We appreciate FanDuel. Ramen Noodle Express brought to you by them. Friday Night Lines brought to you by them. Must be 21 or over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. 
bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. And hey, all of our betting odds provided by FanDuel, because otherwise we'd just use the JP poll and that would throw the entire show into oblivion. Speaking of which, I think, scratch that, I know I've got three early best bets and we're going back to the well of teams that have been good for us this year. We are going to pounce on Brigham Young plus 17 and a half. We are going to jump all over Coastal Carolina plus nine and a half and we're going to jump on NC State plus two and a half. And those are three games to start this rivalry week uh, that will certainly not conclude the list of games that we'll be on. We need to finish strong here. Finish belt well above 500, still need to finish strong here. And so that's that. All right, a reminder, we're going to have a Tuesday show, no Thursday show, and we're going to Ann Arbor this Saturday. So make sure you're following on Instagram at Josh. Because I don't know when news is going to break. There's about to be a ton of coaching movement. The transfer portal is about to be utterly insane. First week of December, you need to be following. Plus, we get a ton of behind-the-scenes content on the Instagram story. At Lake Kick Josh. Make sure you're following there. Plus, it's a pretty good way to get in touch with me, period. I go back and forth in the DMs a lot on there. I got to go to sleep. I haven't slept all night. So, I appreciate you guys for tuning in. For Director Colin, for Producer Jesse, I'm Josh Pate. Take care. Have a great start to your week. And God bless. Must be 21 or over and present in select states. FanDuel is offering online sports wagering in Kansas under an agreement with Kansas Star Casino, LLC. First online real money wager only, $10 first deposit required, bonus issued as non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit fanduel.com backslash RG in Colorado, Iowa, Kentucky, Michigan, New Jersey, Ohio, Pennsylvania, Illinois, Tennessee, and Virginia. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP or text NEXT STEP to 53342 in Arizona. 1-888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org backslash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-9-WITH-IT in Indiana. 1-800-522-4700 or visit ksgamblinghelp.com in Kansas. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. Visit mdgamblinghelp.org in Maryland. Visit 1-800-GAMBLER.net in West Virginia or call 1-800-522-4700 in Wyoming. Hope is here. 
Visit gamblinghelplinema.org or call 800-327-5050 for 24-7 support in Massachusetts or call 1-877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY in New York. 